Welcome everyone to another episode of the Supreme Decisions Legal Minute Podcast. Now I'm your host, Supreme Decisions. A couple of you will have a few, actually a few of you will have a treat being able to view this podcast on Spotify. Those others will be able to watch it on YouTube. And today, the purpose of this podcast is for those that are listening for the first time. I am offering as Supreme Decisions, a legal view from a common man's point of view, basically simplifying law in order for you to be able to go about your everyday life and actually understand the context of things that are going on in front of you, before you, around you, and so you'll better have an opportunity to deal with it when you see it. So, one of the things that I found humorous is Many of you know that I, almost 10 years ago now, October 25th, 2012, I was sitting first chair pro se and I won a RICO case, which is Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organizations. And one of the things that I talked about was the simple fact that the prosecutor, or John Melvin in this case, was looking to give me 2,000 years And for the constructs of it, it was basically for teaching people how to defend themselves. And the problem with doing that was when I initially started this, I was dragging people in the court. I was fighting for them and not with them. I'm going to say that one more time. I was fighting for them and not with them. So I had a vested interest in their winning because I wanted to see something. Well, They thought the justification for fighting against the system was 2,000 years. Now, the reason I bring that up is because while being in Atlanta, I've lived a good portion of my adult life and forever I will love Atlanta. You know, even one of my songs that are on my phone, you know, which also will kind of date me, is Future. So I I got love for Atlanta. And the thing is, I'll always have love for Atlanta. But the context and the constructs of the things that go on in Atlanta are the things that I speak on. But I want to talk about today, and again, for those that see me, you're going to see me in my little notebook, my handy-dandy notebook. You're going to see me flipping back and forth because I want to make sure you have the understanding because that's what comes in when you're listening to this podcast. You have an understanding of perspective because I tell you a lot of things when you're watching my videos on how to defend yourself, but there's a reason behind that construct. I'll say this, get this, do that, and there's a pattern, there's a purpose behind it. I'm not just telling you that for filler, but when you're listening to the podcast, I don't give you a lot of case law. I do drop them in because it also offers into that understanding and perspective, but I want you to see what it is I see. That way you can feel what it is I feel because at the end of the day, it's about protecting yourself. Now, I was watching a, I want to say it was last week, I was watching a press conference and it was the Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. And the Atlanta police chief, and I believe his name is Richard something. Let me give me give me a half a second. 
Actually, I did not write it down, but you know, I'll probably go over it because I don't see it offhand. But the Atlanta police chief, and they were speaking about how they were upset. And actually, the Atlanta police chief's name is Rodney Bryant. Now, Fannie Willis and Rodney Bryant were upset because there was a young man. And I want to, you know, I want to give you something. I want to give you something real quick. I just did a podcast and I talked about the constructs of the morality of murder. In the constructs of the morality of murder, we were speaking on the inst of looking at a police officer as the perceived good guy. I give you story after story after story after story after story after story after story where they're trained not to be a good person. They're not trained to be the good guy, but we're perceived to we're actually programmed to perceive them as the good guy. Now, I want you to understand that because the exact same construct is here. We're perceiving Fannie Willis as a good person. We're perceiving Fannie Willis as the person that's fighting for us as the district attorney. We're perceiving Rodney Bryant as the guy that's guiding all these people that are protecting us. We're perceiving Rodney Bryant as the person that's guiding these people that's going to protect our constitutional, God-given rights to live and be humans. Now, I said that because this is a it's a setup. This is a volley like in tennis. The state considered, yet they did not prove. The alleged shooter was extremely dangerous and the gang member based on his past behavior. Now, the context is young man by the name of Christian Eppinger, right? He was an alleged Atlanta gang member. He shot a cop on video six times and shot at another one, which was now an attempted murder charge while they were allegedly serving a warrant based on the fact that he was already out on out of jail on another charge. I can't remember exactly what that charge was, but I believe it was actually another murder. Now, the reason why I said this, because again, even in the morality of murder, we talked about the is it okay to murder for the good guy, the police officer, to murder the bad guy? Because not that they did something in that moment, but that they were a bad person at some point. Now, the reason why I'm setting this up is because something happened that I had never seen or heard of before. And Christian Epperser was given a $65,000 bond. Keep in mind, on video, shooting a cop six times, shot at a second cop, which is attempted murder on a police officer. Say that he's on parole at that moment. $65,000 bond. And he had been, they stated he had been arrested for a violent crime and the incident is on video. And by the way, he was also deemed a flight risk because again, the things that are set up for, what? They're set up for denying someone bond. Now, $65,000, I want you to let that. Shot a cop on video six times. Shot at a second cop, which is attempted murder. He was given a $65,000 bond. Myself was teaching people. I was charged with racketeering influence corrupt organization. My bond was $75,000 cash. Now I'm going to shout out to Jose, but again, they know who I'm talking about. 
But again, $75,000 cash. I didn't shoot anybody. Wasn't wanted for murder. No attempt. Wasn't on a cop. Have you ever heard of a young person that is deemed a gang member, that is deemed a flight risk, that is on video shooting a cop six times and shooting at a second cop, getting a bond for $65,000? Let, 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 let me go there because, again, this is the purpose of this podcast because I want you to think. When have you ever heard of this? Because keep in mind, they considered him a gang member. She even said this out of her own mouth because I watched the video four times and it's 14 minutes long. She spoke for seven of those 14. She stated she had not proven he was a gang member. But she said it literally within seconds with a definitive notion of he is a gang member. But she said she hadn't proven it. But what happened to innocent until proven guilty. But again, that's the context of what they want us to believe. Now, in 2016, because again, this is coming from them, and they were actually using behavior evidence, going to explore the police chief past behavior and the DA. Just keep that in mind because I, I remember the body I just set up. Just keep that in mind, coming back to it. And Christian Jefferson in 2016 was a minor, was given 10 years for armed robbery. He was given 10 years for armed robbery. He served four because why? As a minor in Georgia, the most he can serve is 10 years. I'm going to actually go into that, but I want you to keep that in mind. They maxed him out as a minor on a first offense for a robbery. No details, but that was the deal. Keep that in mind. Fanny stated that they did him a favor. And the judge was generous. Have you ever heard that before? They did this 16-year-old a favor. And the judge was generous. My favor was 2,000 years or 20 years per count. Now, in Georgia, I'd have done 15 per count. But now, let's keep, let's keep that in mind. 20 years per count, 108 counts. Doing 15. Now, because again... The deal, because they were being generous. When are they not being generous or when they are doing you a favor when they are charging you with a crime? Have you ever wondered that? When are they not doing me a favor? Oh, we're doing you a favor. But here's, here's the thing, because I'm going to get back on point. They don't want to go to trial. Knowing it's half the battle. Keep that in mind. I always say that. Knowing it's half the battle. Now, I always say get certain things. I always say do certain things because you're planting the seed. You're laying the foundation because even the big bad wolf had to understand that a house not built on a foundation is easily destroyed. Don't worry. I'm going to come back to it. But just understand that. Were they doing me a favor? by not turning over evidence, but not allowing me to have the arrest warrant or the arrest warrant application. I actually thought that was profound because they were doing me a favor by offering me 20 years per count. They were doing me a favor by me only having to do 15 years per count. But were they also doing me a favor by not turning over evidence? Because again, I was guilty of something that they said. They were willing to spend money on something that they believed but they didn't believe it enough to actually offer me a fair opportunity to beat them.
But again, they're the good guy. We're supposed to believe that Fannie and her office are good people. They're the ones that are protecting us. We're supposed to believe that Rodney is a good person. He's teaching these people to do the good deed. The problem is, I say it all the time. There's a Supreme Court case that said they don't hire intelligent people. Why? Because they don't want anybody questioning their orders. That's why it's so difficult for many of them to pass the executive exam because they have to know law. They have to be able to practice law. They have to be able to implement what law. The problem is they're not being trained law and they're also not being trained to gather evidence. Even Terry v. Ohio used the context of a hypothesis and at the same time saying they can't guess because most of us that did a seventh grade science project understand a hypothesis is a guess and then they fit the evidence to their hypothesis because they're not trained to solve crime. They're not trained to be truthful. But again, we're gonna go for it. Cause wait for it, because I'm gonna give you the, ex the exposure and the correlation. I'm gonna give it to you. Because, and she continued with her speech, everything changed from unproven allegations to a defendant as he did. He did this, he did that. He was this, he is this. It went from could possibly might be to he is this. Why? Because we have to justify, we have to moralize the actions of the good people. Because if it is not moral, if he is not a bad person, we can't justify her actions. If he wasn't dastardly, we couldn't justify her actions. We couldn't even justify the actions of the police because again, when you're looking at the video, it's literally a five second video, literally five seconds. Six shots, get off the seventh, and he takes off running. Now, we don't know the before. We don't even know the complete after. We don't even know about the actual warrant they were supposedly served. Now, but I'm going to give you something else because it's one of those where the meat that's on the bone actually gives you the context of why I'm actually so passionate about this one. Now, she then spoke on him shooting the officer six times. Now, mind you, there's video. She spoke on the shooting the officer six times. I want you to understand something. She then complained that he was not monitored, Chris Fletcher was not monitored, he did not report, and he was not revoked. I want you to keep that in mind. She complained about this because, again, these are actions not that are Christian Everton's fault. These are the fault of the district attorney's office. This is the fault of the parole board. This is the fault of those that are supposed to be, quote-unquote, monitoring him. He wasn't monitored. He did not report and he wasn't revoked. Keep that in mind because I'm going to stay focused on the he wasn't revoked because who is she upset with? Because remember, that's not his responsibility to monitor himself because according to the deal that they so generously gave him, they were supposed to do that because they were in charge of his care. Whoops. So who is she mad at? They are responsible 
for the monitoring, which they didn't do. They are responsible for him having to report, which they did not. They were responsible for revoking him if he violated, which they didn't because it wasn't set up for him to. She stated they were his fault. Everything that happened was his fault. It was his fault he wasn't monitored, which is their job. It was his fault he didn't report because he wasn't required to by them. He, it was his fault that he wasn't revoked, which is their job. Now, does that sound familiar? Everything is somebody else's fault. It's his fault. It's not mine. Even though it's my job, he's supposed to do my job for me. Yes, I paused for dramatic effect because I want you to think about that. She also used the term attempted to assassinate the officer because of the six bullets. Now, keep in mind, I'm going to go in a circle on this one. She used the term attempted to assassinate because he shot six bullets into the officer. This is going to be a Montana to Jerry Rice pass. It is going to be picture perfect over the shoulder dropping into his hands for the touchdown. I want you to understand that. Keep in mind, I gave you two. He wasn't revoked. The second one is now attempted to assassinate this officer because he shot him six times. Now, she was offended by the acts of the $65,000 bond. She was offended by the acts of the $65,000 bond. She stated that he had a bond revocation hearing scheduled for April 27th. Keep in mind, this is prior to April 27th. This conversation that's going on, this press conference is going on, is April 24th. So, remember, he wasn't revoked. He had a bond hearing scheduled for three days in the future, which has not happened yet. Remember, prior she said he had not been revoked. She then later that he had been revoked. My question is easy. If the 27th for his hearing had not come, how had he been revoked? She stated that he had not been revoked because he was not required. Whoops. He was not required to even show up. So what can be his revocation? Now, she didn't say he was revoked, yet the bond revocation hearing hadn't happened. Do you see how you were lied to? Do you see the lies now? That's the first one. Because she then stated the judge's name for the media there so they could hear that the case was on the 7th the 27th, to apply pressure on him to see things her way. Say that one more time. While standing in front of the media, she states the judge's name, judge's full name, about the time and place for the revocation hearing. Because keep in mind, she just said he was already revoked after previously stating in her seven minutes that he was not revoked, which was one of the reasons she was complaining. He was not revoked. Now she's putting pressure on the judge because now the public perception, you understand council culture, you know, black Twitter, got to get you mad at something. Because you remember I told you, they tell you who to be mad at, when to be mad, and how to be mad at. See how you've been lied to? 
understand her. Literally seven minutes. She went from he wasn't revoked to he had a bond hearing coming up, a bond a revocation hearing coming up to now he was revoked to now I'm going to make sure the judge revokes him. She then lied and talked about the amount of time he was going to be given. He's going to be given 50 to 60 years on the revocation. Stop. Okay. I want you to stay focused on this. She stated that he was going to be given 50 to 60 years on the revocation. She stated he was going to be given 50 to 60 years on the revocation. Previously, she stated that he was 16 at the time of conviction. He was given 10 years. He had served four, so that leaves six. Don't know if, don't know if your math is working that good, but even with the new math, it's still six. Okay, he had been released with six years on probation. Again, you go, that's six. Georgia Organic Code only allows for 60 months of incarceration. I'm going to say that one more time. Georgia Organic Code only allows for 60 months of incarceration if the offender took place as a minor. 12 more months would be the max that he could get on this revocation in jail. Now, the remaining, because again, worst case scenario, because again, he had been out a couple months. Worst case scenario, he had to serve the remaining five years in jail, which would end up being like three and a half. Worst case scenario. And the four years due to the Georgia's 80% rule, the current and current prison conditions, because Georgia is labeled as one of the worst prisons in the country. The Department of Justice is actually suing Georgia as well as Alabama because of their current prison conditions. So keep in mind what a judge is not going to do. She said he's going to get 50 to 60 years on his revocation, yet he can only get maxed out five, which would then only leave him serving maximum four years. However, which would actually then cut it down because of Georgia's prison conditions and the amount of time he's already served. So we're going to go there. But here's where the weaponizing your defense comes in. She stated his 90 days had not run out. Whoops. She stated his 90 days had not run out. Why she say that? Well, I'm going to give it to you. You ready? Because that statement alone allows you to understand something. You have a young man who's on video. Supposedly, because even the news used words, this is the alleged 20-year-old Christian Effinger. They don't even know if it was Christian Effinger that attempted to assassinate this police officer by shooting him six times. They don't even know if it is Christian Effinger who shot at the other officer. But here's the great part about it. His lawyer, because of that statement, filed a motion for speedy trial. Well, Supreme, how do you know that? Once that motion is filed in Georgia, the prosecutor must have you indicted and in trial within that quarter or 90 days or the matter will be dismissed. Say that one more time. 
Once the motion for speedy trial has been filed in Georgia, the prosecution must have you indicted and in trial within 90 days or within that quarter. Whoops. She stated that it had only been incarcerated 72 days. We're going to get it indicted in 90 days. Whoops. The reason why you use this, because again, or the importance, why is that important? You have to be strategic when you use this, because especially in a case like this, there's video. There's video. There's supposedly paperwork that followed or that preceded these actions. Remember, he's a gang member, allegedly, unproven. But definitively, he's a gang member, allegedly, unproven. She goes on to say, the DA's office and the public stands with the APD for acts against violence. A lot of this that you're hearing me say right now, they're, they're long or elongated pauses because these are opportunities for you to think. These are opportunities for you to see. These are opportunities for you to actually ingest all this food. Because see, right now I'm giving you steak and potatoes. That, that's gonna sit with you a little bit. So I want you to understand why the pauses are there. I want you to understand the context of what it is that I'm giving you. I want you to see as I see. I want you to feel as I feel. The importance of this is the strategic use of the speedy trial motion. Because that's how you weaponize it. You force their hand. Show me the evidence. But again, there are things that precede that speedy trial motion. But just keep that. I'm going to get into that. But again, she goes on to state the DA's office and the public. The DA's office and the public stands with the APD for acts against violence. Remember the six bullets to assassinate the officer? And those who choose to be in a gang and choose to commit acts of violence, her office will not stand for. I'm, 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 I'm going to read that all together because I want you to understand where I'm going with this. She goes on to say the DA's office and the public stands with the APD for acts against violence. Those who choose to be in a gang and choose to commit acts of violence, her office will not stand for. Montana drops back to pass. Because in Atlanta, one of the things that's prevalent is the blue wall. Because quite sure you guys remember after two college students that were sitting in a car filming APD interact during a global shutdown, an unexpected shutdown on their way back to class, to their dorms, was snatched out a car for recording. One's arm was broken, the other one was beaten. They had the blue flu. They chose not to come to work. Why? Because they were being punished for doing what they were trained to do. You know, when I call them trained attack dogs, they were punished for being doing what they were trained to do. They were punished for doing what they were trained to do. You know, snatch people out of cars that are filming them. You know, 
damn what the Supreme Court said, damn what you have the right to do, damn them being shown violating someone's rights, not policing properly, not obeying law, you know, like they say they are enforcing. But we had the blue flu with the blue wall. You have the Punisher logo worn by police officers. A desecrated American flag that's black and blue. You know, I use those words because the law uses the word desecrated American flag. Those who choose to be in a gang and choose to commit act of violence, her office will not stand for. He's looking down, Phil. Just keep that in mind. She stated she wanted to make sure this young man never gets to see the outside of jail again because he is so violent. Okay. Those were her, those were her closing remarks. Because see, now we're going to get to Rodney Bryant. The Atlanta police chief stated that this is an act against society. Christian Epiger, who attempted to assassinate the Atlanta police officer and shot at a second on video with a $65,000 bond because he wasn't indicted and because they were not able to follow the speedy trial requirement. You know the society they look down on and say they are not part of while they're in uniform. But this is an act against society. Christian, the alleged Christian Evanger Act, because I have to keep using the alleged because the news actually used it. Because there is no definitive, whoops, there's no definitive information available from the APD that it was Christian Effinger. But this is an atrocious act of violence. Keep that in mind. We must hold people truly accountable for their actions. Keep that in mind. Officers are to be held to a higher standard. Keep that in mind. The responsibility police have to the community. Keep that in mind. Constitution of Georgia, which every police officer swore to uphold, design and defend, and file, section two, paragraph one. And if, you, if you're able to watch this, you can see me hold it up. I'm, I'm holding it up so I can read this. The Constitution of Georgia, which every officer swore to uphold, sign and file, section two, paragraph one. All government of right originates with the people, is founded upon their will only. Police officers are founded on the will of the people only. And is instituted solely for the good of the whole. The police officers are instituted solely for the good of the people. Public officers are the trustees. 
public officers are the trustees and servants of the people and are amenable to them at all times. I've read this several times. Again, section two, paragraph one, amenable at all times. That means you are easily controlled. When I ask you a question, you are the servant. You are going to my will. These are not my words. These are the words you signed. These are the words you swore to God that you will uphold. Because officers are to be held to a higher standard. The responsibility police have to the community is to be amenable at all times because that's what they swore and signed and upheld. They filed this. But here's what I wanted to get to. Prior to the end of the press conference, Fannie was asked directly about officers who had violated the public trust and assassinated the members of society that stands with her office against violence. Remember that? She was asked directly. There was a reporter that asked her directly. What about these officers? You know, the ones with the higher standard the ones that have responsibility to the community. What about them? She blamed her former boss and then left. Well, what people are you talking about? Supreme, it, maybe it's, it's only one off. It's, it's, it's only one incident that's possibly could, could be brought up. Well, let's talk about Jimmy Atkinson. He was murdered unarmed by officer Sun Kim in 2019. Sun Kim was not charged, APD. Kane Rogers, 22, murdered unarmed by James Rolfe Burns, not charged, no evidence. Rogers was part of the reason Waffles in the area. The officer then lied in his report and said Rogers attempted, hold on, hold on, I, I, I wanna make sure you catch this because this is where the police apologists come in at. Said Rogers attempted to run him over, which is why he discharged his weapon. Remember I told these people that they don't want you seeing what they're doing. You know, they broke someone's arm. APD broke someone's arm doing what they were trained to do. Broke someone's arm for filming them. His dash camera viewed months later showed the officer had lied. If, if you ever notice, the one thing I constantly talk about is getting the police report. I also talk about Jordan V. Prince. They're not hiring people with high IQs, which means that they have to give them the ability to actually simulate. While everybody's story sounds the same. Because they've given them stop language. They don't have the ability to articulate. They don't have the ability to tell the truth. Because if you know, every time I write this down, they're justifying their bad acts with lies. They're covering it up by not showing video. They're causing you. You are the problem because they don't want to serve you, even though that's what they swore to do. You are the problem for making them do their job properly. Because if you notice at any point, you can never ask a police officer to do their job. Do your job properly. Can you do that? But all of them have been caught lying because they cannot 
tell the truth. They are not trained to, one, follow instructions properly. They're not trained to solve anything. They're not even trained on what crime actually is. They are told to escalate. They are trained to be nuisances. They are trained to get revenue. Even Trevor Noah talked about the quota system. And when I said it, I was wrong. But when Trevor Noah said it, they take it off the air. DeAndre Phillips murdered near the police annex building. Officer Yasmin, Yasin, A-B-D-U-L-A-H-A-D, lied in his report. Surveillance video showed he had lied. Yasin Abdullah has excessive force complaints currently and is still working uncharged in this place that doesn't tolerate violence. Because remember, let me, let me go back because I want to make sure I'm quoting these people correctly. She goes on to say the DA's office and the public stands with the APD against violence. APD is standing against violence. Yasin Abdulhad lied in his report. He murdered DeAndre Phillips. That's violence. He's still working. He is uncharged by the office that will not tolerate those who choose to be in a gang and choose to commit acts of violence. Why is her office standing for it when she was asked directly about it, especially from a known liar, from a known person that now I'm going to say this. If you're in Georgia, if you are in Georgia, if you have any interaction with Yasin, A-B-D-U-L-A-H-A-D, you fight because he is a known liar. He has lost all credibility. And if he gets on the stand, your case is automatically disqualified or dismissed because the prosecution is putting a known liar on the stand. I'm going to say that one more time. He's still working. If you have any interactions with him, you challenge it. Because if he is brought to the stand, the prosecution automatically disqualifies your case because they are putting a known liar on the stand. Remember when I talked about police character on trial? This is what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about the Brady list, this is what I'm talking about. He is the perfect example of that. I want you to understand where all of this is coming from and how it's coming. Make sure these are the things that you're doing. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to get into a couple of things here. Jamarion Robinson was murdered in 2016. He was murdered by Christopher L. Hutchins and U.S. Marshal Eric Hine. He was shot 76 times. Now, at the time, it was part of a joint task force that was being executed in Atlanta through the APD, through another governmental organization. Because even Hutchinson, Christopher L. Hutchinson, actually was working for Clayton County at the time. I'm going to come back to him. I want you to, I want you to stay focused on this. Because 
we often talk about jurisdiction. Why does she have jurisdiction over this case? Because it happened in her city. It happened in her county. It happened on her watch. She was employed at that time with Fulton County's DA. The autopsy revealed someone stood over Jamaria's body while it lay flat and shot him. You know, an execution. The autopsy, their autopsy revealed that. Someone stood over him while he was laying flat and shot him. Now, I want you to keep this now. 2016, these officers were indicted on aggravated assault, first degree burglary. Why did, I'm gonna come back to that. Making false statements, oh, they lied. And oath violations, why, why was that part of it? Why was the oath violation part of it? Because, I'm, I'm gonna go back because I wanna make sure I read it properly. The Georgia Constitution Section 2, paragraph 1. All government have the right and originates from the people and is founded upon the will only and is instituted solely for the good of the whole. The public officers are the trustees and servant of the people. Oath violation. When they lied in their statements, they weren't working for the good of the people. When they kicked open his door, that's where the burglary comes in. Because once you violate, you are no longer actors of the government. Once there's an oath violation, there is no governmental protection. That's where the burglary comes in. Because kicking open the door without proper authorization is burglary. Because many of the officers on this execution had later discovered disciplinary issues. Many of the officers that was on this execution, because Christopher wasn't the only one, Eric wasn't the only one, most of them had disciplinary issues. But you know, they won't tolerate acts of violence. But we're going to get into that. Christopher had seven internal rev um goodness internal revenue internal <laughs> investigations thinking about taxes anyway the investigations were three aggravated assaults three excessive force two improper procedures and one unlawful arrest Two thousand sixteen. The question was, Fanny is who brought the charges. Fanny is the one who made the promise to the family. Six years later, the question to Fanny, the one who won't tolerate violence, the one that talked about the assassination for six bullets. Are we not talking about the execution of seventy-six bullets? She's the one who did, initiated all this. Why not this liar? Why has he not been on trial? Why is this murderer not on trial? She won't stand for gang violence. She has the indictment. 
What is she waiting on? Because even according to the APD, this is an act against the society. Now, why didn't she want to speak on it when she was asked directly about it? Because again, she won't tolerate it. She's speaking on behalf of the people. Two days later, the same police department murdered Chase McDermott while serving a warrant. Chase McDermott had turned himself in two days prior because he was told that he had a warrant. Chase McDermott had agreed to monitoring, you know, one of the things she was upset about. Chase McDermott was sitting at his house where he was supposed to be at, not doing anything. His father actually told the police when they got there, hey, I'll just walk him out because he has a lawyer. Hey, I'll just go ahead and just, we'll go ahead and deal with this because that's what we've already done. You know, because again, they tried to use behavior evidence. Chase was shot while he was standing in a closet. Why is Fanny not talking about this? Why is Rodney not talking about this?